0: What's up, everyone? You are listening to Serving Tea, a podcast where we talk about all things tennis and more. We are your hosts, me, Jackie Fitz. And to the left of the chair or the left of the couch, we
1: have Zaina Zaki. Fitz, what is the tea for episode four? So
0: for episode four, we will be talking about some negative media headlines, on the sport of tennis, and we'll also do a quick recap on week two at the BNP Paribas Open. And lastly, we will be talking about Marty Fish's Netflix documentary. Shall we get started? Let's do it.
1: What has been circulating in the media recently about tennis? So,
0: one of our first topics for today's episode is some recent negative media headlines about, you know, the sport of tennis and also some current players. There's a headline that said, The surprise victor of the $1.2 million Indian Wells Tennis Tournament had his sneakers stolen just hours before the final. Like, I just don't understand why it needs to say the surprise victor. Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, they're not always going to be around. The media needs to start appreciating these players who have been grinding on the tour for so long and are just now starting to get their break. It really just, like, Mm -hmm. why do you have to include that surprise victor? Like, I I don't know. It just
1: Yeah, no, I just think that imagine being a player – your whole life, and waiting so long to get this opportunity. I mean, Nori mm-hmm. was the first British man to win BMP Perry Ball Open.
0: It's like, why don't they say, first
1: ever M- British man to win the BMP Perry Ball But it has Open.
0: to say the surprise victor of the $1.2 million. It's almost like they're saying like he's not deserving of this win. Yeah. I don't know, just really...
1: Yeah, that, it doesn't make, that bothers me. Because mm-hmm. like you were saying, too, it's like, you know, the big three are not going to be around for a while. I think one of the reasons why the BNP Paribas Open had half of its, literally half the capacity this year mm-hmm. was because.
0: big The big three weren't really, they weren't yeah. in the draw. It's because they're injured. And also, can we just talk about how long the tennis season is? Yeah. From January till the end of November. You have one month off, but it's, if you're a professional tennis player, you cannot take one month off of tennis. You still have to be working out. You still have to be playing tennis. And there's also a huge difference in between being in shape and being in tennis shape. You could run 10 miles a day, but if you're not playing tennis along with that, you're it, it's so different. Oh, yeah. It's so different. And then also, so Roger Federer, one of the greatest of all time, another article that says, bye-bye top 10 A sad day, tennis fans left shattered over Roger Federer news. Roger Federer tennis news. So basically the first time in nearly five years, Federer leaves the top ten. What about – the? I think he's the longest tennis player to ever be in the top ten.
1: Yeah. You know, it's just – You can frame it that way. Like, longest player to ever be in the top Mm ten is now leaving the top ten tennis players. Are people shattered? Really? Like, where did you get that information from? Yeah. I just think there's there may be like a bit of clickbait situation here where they think that the more negative the headline is, the more people want to click on it mm-hmm. and read what's going on. But that's just negative entirely. Yeah. Also, one of the headlines that I'm seeing right now, men's final matchup at the BMP Paribot Open feels flat, and that's fitting this year.
0: That is the disrespect yeah. towards
1: the, the, the two, two players. players
0: in the finals who've been grinding for years on the tour.
1: Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, like Nori, again. So Nori, who beat Basha Levy of Georgia, again, first time that he's been in the final at the Indian Wells tournament uh-huh. or the VMP Paribas. And all they're saying is that, you know, the men's open or the men's final feels flat. And that's fitting. That is so disrespectful. I just (laughs) just would be so mad if I was that.
0: I wonder, I mean, if I was a professional tennis player, I would never be reading the news. I mean, so many players are now getting very, just, they're really talking about it more. Even they're taking it to Twitter on just how negative the tennis media is. And I feel like that's just such a.
1: Well, Taylor Fritz, so mm-hmm. the 23-year-old that had a career run here as well this American past year. American player. American player, 23 years old. He beats Varev in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. He beats Varev in the quarterfinals. Huge win. Huge win. Then falls to Bosh mm-hmm. And all they have to say is that, oh, you know, he's not ready for the spotlight now.
0: Yeah, he goes talking about Taylor Fritz, the hope was that this match would give him a big boost, but it mostly proved he is not quite ready yet for
1: prime time. That's an American player. But That's- come
0: on. Yeah. You yeah. can't expect these American players to be rock, become Roger Federer overnight. Obviously, it's going to take time. But why do you have to say, you know, it's, he's not quite ready for prime time? He just made the semifinals of Indian Wells – what that is such an accomplishment. Yeah. He'll get another chance next next year. Like my oh I also gosh. think, I mean, as
1: much as I love Roger Federer, I love Roger Federer. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the reason why these players that are coming up can't be like can't get that media presence. One, I mean, no one will ever be Roger Federer mm-hmm. or Nadal or Djokovic. It's incredible that all three of those players are playing at the same time right now. Mm-hmm. But when Taylor Fritz loses in the semifinal, the media says, you know, it just proves that he's not ready for primetime yet. Are you actually kidding me? Yeah. He will never get This the is media his first
0: yet. time yeah. in the semifinals. It's his first time yeah. ever in the semifinals of Indian Wells. So this experience, like Emiratanu's experience, all of the US Open, it's new to him. Everything is new. So I appreciate the high standards, you know, but at least don't go embarrassing them with these media titles like it's such a joke and then also gosh let's see here such a and there was another title media t- why does playing tennis make so many pros miserable <laughs> should i repeat that me, i'm gonna repeat that why does playing tennis make so many pros miserable gee let's start with the length of the tour from january to november maybe a little long Especially because it's an individual sport. If you're playing bad, it's not like you can go sit on the bench. Sorry. No. But it's an individual grind. Like, there's so much pressure for singles players, obviously also doubles players. But, like...
1: I mean, also, too, we're going to talk about this a little bit later with the Marty Fish. When we get to the Marty Fish segment. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he was even saying in the documentary that it never ends. Tennis never ends. You can never be in good enough shape again because Mm -hmm. the season goes from January to November. Mm -hmm. And that one month off that you have, you better believe that you can't sit on your ass and do nothing. You're going to lose. You're going to get out of shape faster than you got into it. You can't drink. You can't be with your friends. You have to stay focused in that month off because you're about to go back into season. Like tennis is Ruling, ruling, and then you make one mistake at a tournament, and the media slashes you for it. Yeah, so,
0: exactly, and let's, oh gosh, let's see here, what was another headline? There
1: was not a headline, but another thing about Nori, who just mm-hmm. won, said, you know, this isn't comparable to Emma Raducanu's win. Like, first of all, you're comparing apples to oranges with a U.S. Open, with, that's a grand slam, to qualifier. at least, why are, gosh, just, I mean,
0: it's so frustrating, so frustrating. And then Riley Opelka, another top American player, he's very active on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Always love following him. After the U.S. Open, so Carlos Alcaraz, an 18-year-old player, made a great run at the U.S. Open. He made to the quarterfinals, lost to Felix, another top player. And he had, a certain commentator had said, uh, you know, talking about Alcaraz, he retired in his quarterfinal match. He goes, sudden surrender, very disappointing, and to a strong run. Hope it won't be much of a pattern for an 18-year-old with much talent. You don't Dude. know how – Alcaraz, I swear, had how many five-setters up until the quarterfinals? Two? Yeah. Maybe two five-setters?
1: I mean, I'm pretty like, sure he beat Paz the night before. Yeah. Or, like, the day – but it was the match before, and it was a 5 set. And
0: also, if you have a day off, and you – Until your next match. It's not like that's a full day off. You're still training. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my gosh. And then uh, Riley Opelka had said, the only thing that is a pattern here in tennis media is being an absolute joke. Carlos is the youngest male player to reach a Grand Slam quarterfinal in over 30 years. That should have been a headline. Mm -hmm. Yet somehow you managed to come up with this.
1: It's so sad. And I don't know. I don't know why they continue when younger players are making it far in a draw mm-hmm. or names that we haven't seen before are making far in the draw. If they're playing a vet or someone that's in the top 10, top 15, it's always the vet's fault for losing. Mm-hmm. They come up with something as if, you know, okay, Zverev, like, lost because something. No, right. like, the person beat them. The young yes. underdog oh, beat them. They have been competing for that moment. They're a good tennis player. It's mm-hmm. not... The top players fall. And that's where the media hits so both of the players. It's like the top 10, oh, they lost. They lost this match. It's yes. never like the underdog won. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I mean,
0: just and it, just using this as an example, let's just say Roger Federer loses to an unranked player in a Grand Slam. It'll say Federer defeated mm-hmm. in second round at a Grand Slam. It's yeah. like, why don't you include the person's name who just had the best win Of their career. Yeah. It's It's not like we're asking for much. No. You know, it's like, why not give that credit? It's because the whole media and the titles and the clickbait, it's how many probably clicks they can get on an article. Yeah. And just comes to a point where it's like, give these players who've been on the tour for so long, who've been trying to break through now with the big three, not playing as consistently in these big tournaments. Why not give them a chance? Yeah. And include them in the titles of these articles. I, I don't
1: understand. It's, Give credit where credit is due. Thank you. And as far as, like, this isn't really, I mean, not negative media headlines, but just talking about BMP again, like, who won. So mm-hmm. Nori, who we just talked about. And Azarenka made it to the finals. Like, yeah. You were right. Last episode, you are like, I want Azarenka to go all the she way. Did. She's a fighter.
0: Lost 7-6 in the
1: third? Yeah, to Badoza, mm-hmm. who... This was her biggest win of her career. This was the first time that she had made it this far Mm -hmm. at the BNP Paribas Open, 23 years old, from Spain, biggest win. Like, congratulations to Bedosa for holding her ground in the final. Like, you're in the third set tiebreaker against a veteran, a Grand Slam champion. Yeah. And you win that. So congratulations to Bedosa. Huge win. Um,
0: yeah, I just go back to the men's final matchup at the BNP Paribas Open feels
1: flat. Yes. What does that mean? What mm-hmm. What does that
0: mean? Oh,
1: gosh. I, again, I just think that the, the media is doing tennis a disservice by saying that things feel flat when the big three, like mm-hmm. the men that are, of course, at the top of the game are not in those situations. Right. It's like, you're making it feel like people shouldn't be watching those matches. Yes. Like I, I think a lot of it has to do with that and why if Federer is not in a tournament, there's not this big draw. Mm -hmm. Of course, people want to see Federer greatest tennis player ever, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Um, but he's not going to be around forever. So you yeah. have to do a better job of hyping up the younger players that are going to follow in his footsteps. That way tennis will always have this draw.
0: 100%. So. And also just look at the U.S. Open that just happened with, you know, the Federer and Nadal not playing, Serena not playing. And look how many players had a huge breakthrough tournament mm-hmm. and either made it to the round of 16 or made it to the finals. How exciting was that to see? Mm-hmm. We need more positive media headlines around the sport important it's it's so important but shall we go on to the next topic that was that was <laughs> that a heavy one that was us. a heavy one <laughs> all right let's go on to the next topic so for the next topic we've calmed down a little bit we're calming down All right, and scene. okay so Zena, what, just fill us in on Marty
1: Fish's Netflix documentary. I would be happy to do so. So from the series Untold, <laughs> I'm just cracking up. It's yeah. still not over the last segment. Mm-hmm. Honestly, we're passionate about that. But anyway, the series Untold, it's called Breaking Point. It's on Netflix. Marty Fish reveals to the greater public his struggle with anxiety And just how much the mental illness had affected him in tennis. And it was ultimately the reason why he had to step away from the sport, which people at the time did not know that. So the documentary, a few things that stood out to me, stood out to you as well, was back in 2009. So Marty Fish was, his career high ranking was seven in the world. And he had his run back in 2011. But he was always a tennis player in the early 2000s. So if you grew up watching tennis, just like Fitz and I, I would always watch Marty Fish. Mm-hmm, always. And Oops. in the documentary, it talks about how in 2000, 2009, he was in his hyperbaric chamber, which pumps oxygen into your body, essentially just helps... Make healing faster, and he had this aha moment that what if I gave tennis everything? That way, when I stepped away from the game, I can go to sleep at night, put my head on the pillow, and know that I gave it my all. So I don't know. The documentary talks a little bit about how he wasn't really like he was good, but he never devoted his whole life to the sport, and then he was like
0: ninety nine percent.
1: Yeah, he like wanted to be. He wanted to be exactly. He wanted to see how good he could get. So he had that aha moment in 2009. Before the 2010 season, he decided to take it very seriously. He was 203 pounds the beginning Mm -hmm. of before the season started. He lost 31 pounds prior to going into the 2010 summer season. And he says that a lot of what he owes like that losing all of that weight to was all of the training that he had to do. So it's a
0: sacrifice.
1: Yeah, it was a huge sacrifice. Again, the top 3 players were still circulating, Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer. And I just want to say this to people that I've spoken to that don't think tennis can be that physically grueling. Mm-hmm. Um, to beat Federer, now his trainer was talking about this in the documentary. You need the leg strength of a football player. You need the lungs of a marathon runner. And just you need an unbelievable amount of focus. Mm -hmm. So that's not just to beat Federer, but the top three at the time. Andy Murray was at the top of his game as well. It's just a very tough sport. So, you know, he wasn't seeing his friends. He was going to bed at 730 at night when he was training. He cut out alcohol. He cut out pizza, desserts, fries, trained all the time, (laughs) right? So he loses the 31 pounds going into the season he's ranked he goes from like ranked 49 in the world he gets all the way up to 7 and which is huge in he, one year which is huge in one year mm-hmm. and his ultimate goal was to make it to the London the tournament mm-hmm. in London yes the year end finals which is
0: actually happening in next month mm-hmm. where they take the top 8 players in the world for singles and doubles and they play against each other which You know the Grand Slams is a draw of 128, which has the top 128 players in the world. But for this year-end tournaments, only
1: the top eight. Yeah. So each match is really some of the best tennis you'll ever see. Exactly, and it's such an honor to make it to this tournament too. And Marty Fish wanted was set out to do it, and he Mm -hmm. made it. So he made it in the top eight. Yes, Marty. Like congratulations. So. The documentary talks about how he trained his ass off. He made it. He accomplished his goal after the 2011 season going into 2012. Now there was all of this hype, right? We talk about Mm -hmm. media, right? There's all of this hype around Marty fish being the top American. Mm -hmm. So every tournament that he went into, he felt all this pressure to do well for his country, to do well for himself. Mm -hmm. And he just wasn't performing that well. Right. After 2011, just into 2012, it talked about how in the Australian Open, he lost first round. He was losing first round of tournaments. It didn't look like he was at the top of his game. Mm-hmm. And the, at the Miami Open, so the Sony Erickson Open in 2012, he lost. And he felt like going into the match that physically he was playing well, mm-hmm. but mentally he just kind of was starting to lose his focus a little bit. Right. And Patrick McEnroe, who was his coach for the Davis Cup, a friend, right? Again, a coach has been with him through the ups and downs. Marty Fish has won for him. Just your coach. He is also a commentator. Mm -hmm. And after Marty Fish had lost this match, pretty ugly, he gets off the court and understands that he didn't play well, Mm -hmm. gets into the locker room, and there's a TV in there and catches what Patrick McEnroe says, and he says that, there's just, in quotes, there's no other way to say it, just a horrendous performance right. from Marty Fish.
0: And already as a tennis player, you're already very hard on yourself. And obviously to hear that in the news is not not fun, especially from you know a former coach from the Davis Cup.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think that a lot of tennis players are very hard on themselves because it is an individual sport. So obviously hearing that is
1: not – it's not going to help them in any way. No, and I just think too, like a tennis player, like you just said, being an individual sport, you put all of this pressure on yourself as you get onto the court, mm-hmm. especially when you know that you should be winning. Right. So, someone, let's just say, for example, let's just say I'm a seed
0: in a tournament, and I'm playing against someone who is level ranked than me. I'm naturally going to be a little more nervous if I'm – rather than if I'm playing the number one seed because you have nothing to lose and you're not going to be hard on yourself and you're going to be kind of just swinging for the fences and stuff. But for matches, like, for me against really anyone, whether it was Army, whether it was Boston University, just throwing out names right there, like, those were always – any match for me was always very close because I would get so nervous and be so tough on myself and just hard on myself, so –
1: I mean, I think that goes to say a lot about just tennis in general, how, Mm -hmm. how it's just treated from like an odds wise. So like, if you're like tennis, isn't a sport that people bet on a lot because people that are higher ranked usually win the matches like tennis, I would say is predictable. Mm -hmm. And I think like when a one seed is playing an eight seed, well, People looking at that draw are like, oh, the one seed is gonna win this right. every single time. And that kind of pressure, like we even feed into it. Right. I'm like, oh, I'm looking at the one seed, she's playing the eight seed, yeah. or he's playing the eight seed, the one seed's winning that. And that one seed goes in with that pressure every single time. Like,
0: look at like, even March Madness for basketball. How many people who don't follow basketball who actually create their own bracket. How many of them actually just put the number one seed winning the whole thing? Exactly. I've done that multiple times.
1: I mean, why wouldn't I? I I know nothing about the sport. And I think again, it just all feeds back to, so Marty fish, Mm -hmm. he started to feel that pressure. Oh my God, I'm the top American. Every Mm -hmm. time I step out on the court, I'm top 10 in the world. Every time I step out on the court, I am expected to win now. So that was feeding into him. Then his friend, Patrick macro saying that's a horrendous performance, right? Mm -hmm. All of these Um, all of these thoughts are going into Marty Fish's head. Right. And he eventually just can't take it anymore. Yeah. And he had to step away from the sport. One of the things that really stood out to me though, was Andy Roddick Mm -hmm. also spoke a lot in this documentary. So I didn't know that Marty Fish and Andy Roddick basically grew up together, played tennis their whole lives together. And Andy Roddick was talking about how he couldn't even eat a certain type of sports bar after he left the game of tennis because yeah. it reminded him of all of the anxiety and stress
0: I mean how he was pr- under. How crazy that that like a certain type of food is triggering yeah. ment like to your stress levels
1: mm-hmm. like
0: how gosh it's, it's
1: it's sad and I think I'm so excited that mental health is becoming more of a topic nowadays mm-hmm. because back then I mean this was 10 years ago it wasn't that long no, ago. no not at all It was so frowned upon to talk about mental health and it's so crippling sometimes, especially anxiety. I know I can struggle not with the level that Marty Fish was at, but I can be anxious in certain situations and just having all of these negative thoughts in your head um, can really affect how you go out and play, Mm -hmm. like the nerves, everything that you're feeling. So it's very normal. And I'm happy that you know I watched that. I'm happy that he's talking about it. And I'm happy that Marty Fish is feeling way better about it. So
0: it was such a good documentary. Highly recommend. Mm-hmm. And Marty Fish even tweeted, he goes, the support for my documentary on Netflix has been overwhelming. Thank you to all that have watched and reached out to share similar stories. It's so important to know you are not alone in your mental health struggles. Win every day. Mm-hmm. Love it. So yeah. definitely 10 out of 10 recommend watching it on Netflix. But I think that is it for today's episode. Tune in next week for, you know, for more recaps, for more scoop, for more tea. All righty. Thank you everyone so much for tuning in. Bye. Bye.